Hello and welcome everybody to Arguments About League Over Coffee. I'm James Graham and joining me here at Pacific Diner in St. Leonard's is Eels and Bulldogs legend Andrew Ryan. We're discussing the Parramatta Eels and their new million dollar man, Mitchell Moses of course, whether this is the closest NRL season in years and the NRL's newest rivalry, Corey Horsburgh and Royce Hunt. Andrew Ryan, you come from a slightly different era. Now, young lads come into the game, new generations. It used to be what happens on the field stays on the field. Now, Corey Horsburgh, he's a ginger. So let's not hold that against him versus Royce Hunt. They were involved in an incident. Mm. Can I just get your thoughts on that, that players almost airing their dirty laundry? It's the new generation, I get it, but what are your thoughts on that? I need to front load this with, I'm a weirdo, right? So <laughs> I love it. I, I, I honestly, love it. I love it. I love the fact that we're talking about it. As a player, as a, a teammate, I would have hated, and especially, you know, I was fortunate enough to be in a leadership capacity at stages. I would have hated some of my teammates to do that. Did anyone ever do that to uh, you? Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of a guy by the name of Willie Mason. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> so big Will, love him. So we'd, we'd be having like biggest game of the week, Friday night footy or whatever. Someone rings you and goes, open the paper, go get the paper. Willie Mason's come out and says, opposition pack soft. Not one of them would make oh. our team. So, you know, so I'm there going far out. What's going to happen here tonight? But the greatest thing about what he was able to do is he was able to back it up and end up going and probably getting man of the match on that Friday night. Like he had that ability to just put pressure on himself and come out and do it. So for these guys now, I've flipped, I've flipped totally. Flipped. flipped massively. Tan coat. Oh, I am a oh. massive. So now I'm a fan of the game. Like we're talking about this stuff. Everyone is counting down the days until it's Hunt versus Horsburgh. Mate, so you as a leader, as captain, yep. what do you turn around and say? And, and did, did folks come to you and say, can you have a word with Mason? Well, I think that after a while, we just <laughs> realized we couldn't contain the big fella. And you know what, like I said, he, he'd go and perform. See, I like a bit of personality. I love seeing a ginger be aggressive, but I don't know. I'm kind of of the opinion that what happens on the field stays mm. on the field. And if they want to have a go at each other and have some beef throughout the next couple of seasons and everybody see that, like we saw with Michael Innes, great friend of both of ours, but a serial pest. <laughs> but nobody went public with it. But you could see, you'd watch the games, you could see people, there was a huge dislike for him. Mm. And there was plenty of sledging from both sides, but it all stayed on the field. And perhaps deep down there was some hate towards him, but they just kept it, kept it inside, internalized it. And I loved Horsburgh's Little, put his little photo up and stuff as well. I was dead set pissing myself because too often we speak about players just, you know, being too vanilla and yeah, just sitting in yeah. a pocket, you know, and going, oh, just rolling out. And I, I dead set, I had the oh, cliche book. I was, cliche I was the best. Yeah. One, one week at a time. 100%, you know, whatever it took to just give them nothing. But I feel like it's good to have characters in our game. It, it creates interest and, you know, that PR around that. We're talking about the Sharks playing the Raiders. Should players be more outspoken? Would you encourage it? I just think back to uh, Paul Gallen mm. and his comments around Queenslanders. Do you think the game needs more of that? Or they need 
do you, and it would help sell. But and there's and there are different stakeholders that might have different opinions. Yeah. But what about now? You think the the game needs more of that people calling each other out? Oh, I, I'm not. I don't want to go down where it's like the boxing type. Yeah. You know. <laughs> stand in each other's face that type of stuff but i like to, you want to see a bit of character and personality like i i feel like if someone can show their own personality through through that and, and generate interest and show who they are bring it on but i yeah i don't want it to go super down that like in each other's face yeah. and talking smack and that sort of stuff you know through my time i was lucky enough to watch like marco mealy and Bryce Gibbs, they had this bit of a ding-dong battle. Yeah. And Wouldn't it have been great to have social media in those days oh. for, for um, Bryce Gibbs versus Marco O'Mealy? You know, I would have loved to have seen a Corey Horsburgh-style oh. post from one of those guys um, firing each other up. You know, you spoke about the boys sort of revving each other up, teammates and stuff before. I remember heading into the, the Marco O'Mealy-Bryce Gibbs one when he ended up just running straight at him. And I think it was, I don't even know if Bryce Gibbs actually said too much. I think one of our teammates sort of jumped onto a little, tiny little comment and just turned it into something massive. And then all, it was like red rag to a ball for the ogre. And then he's just taken that, just I'm gonna try and do whatever it takes, you know. Ex-Paramatta boy. Yeah. Moses, signed, sealed, delivered, finally the gossip is over, the rumours oh. are shut down. What, where do you sit on him? Because I, I feel like he's super important. Is he Is he the best player in the game? Is he the top shelf halfback no. in the game? No, no he's, he's, not. he's not, but he's important to that team yeah. at this moment. I think Parramatta, people talk the window's closed. I think the window's still open. And if he'd have got, if he'd have left, then the window does shut because mm. who else are you gonna bring in? Not a lot of quality halfbacks on the market. There's not, a, not even just on the market. There's not a lot of, you know, that, that top level halfback in the game with the experience. We saw the impact of Townsend going to the Cowboys last year, the impact of Reynolds that he's having in Brisbane currently. I think that experienced halfback, you can't afford to let that go. If Parramatta did, they're back. So can, can you compare it then to say he's super important to that team? I, I still feel like Dylan Brown is maybe not as important, but I feel like he has a massive impact on that team when he's at his best. Has he been at his best? Maybe not so far. Could you compare it to then like an Andrew Johns being away from the Knights back in those days? Andrew Johns being out Thurston with Cowboys? No, he, he's, he's not at that level, but I, I agree with you about Dylan Brown, but he is the more flashier of the halves. Mm. So when you say he's humming, can you tell us what you mean by that? I feel like he, I feel like Mitchell Moses touches the ball a lot in the game, but when para humming, I feel like Dylan Brown's taking the line on having a dip on that edge, another threat. I feel like when they struggle a little bit, it falls on the back of Mitchell Moses trying to be the creator and Dylan Brown sort of sits back in the backfield a little bit. See, I think the Dylan Brown will get the credit when he takes on the line, but for me, Moses doesn't get enough credit when he kicks well. I, I think he's far more important to the Eels than Dylan Brown. Mm. Signing such a long-term deal on huge money. What's the, in your opinion, what's the barometer for that deal being a success? Is it premiership or nothing? Is that where you view this now? Because they've laid out so much of their cap 
for so long, they've so much investment in him has in order for Moses to be a success. Is it premiership or bust? I feel like it's a premiership for Parramatta. I feel like you spoke before about the consistency they've got in some of those other positions, although the fullback one might be a bit all over the shop with the new X factor potentially, but they've got those key positions around for the next couple of years. I do feel like they've signed him on a big deal um, and he's been looking around. It's been ongoing for a long time. I do feel like them grand finalists last year, I feel like in the next few years on that deal, a premiership would be what the club would be looking for. That's it. That's their expectation. Season 2023, 17 teams, and it's arguably the most even competition that we've ever seen. Thank you very much. Um, I can't recall a competition so even. What's behind it? You know, there's a couple of teams that obviously struggled at the moment. Dragons have had a tough run as far as performance goes, second halves especially. Um, the Tigers have obviously had a tough few weeks as well. Um, but you just look across the board, you know, quite a few teams, couple of wins, couple of losses. You know, most teams are off the mark and playing some good football. Um, I do, like, you look at the Dolphins, three three wins, one loss on the weekend. Broncos obviously flying up there, sellout crowd. So I feel like the Dolphins coming in is a massive factor. I feel like it's opened the door for guys to get opportunities at other clubs. So a new team into the comp, you look across the board now, only four rounds in. I don't know exact stats, but we've had that many debutantes already have, yeah. get an opportunity to play NRL. And, you know, quite a few of them have showed um, that they've got class at that level. So I feel like an extra team has spread the load. You look at all those guys from Melbourne going up to the Dolphins, some opportunities at other clubs. I do feel like that has, has started to even out the comp straight away. I think the reason behind it, I think the... A couple of years ago, there were some rule changes. And then what happened was there were some blowout scores. I think the coaches have all realized how to counteract that now, mm. how to counteract the blowout, how to bring back the momentum shifts. Because I think what we were witnessing the previous couple of seasons were momentum all with the one team and teams almost just the impossible task of how to fight back. It was it was the team with momentum that would make the mistake and then the momentum may shift. But I just think that coaches now are a little bit more aware on how to counteract and play with the new rules. Sometimes, you know, we have some great coaches, but sometimes they're stuck in their old ways. Mm. And perhaps that was the case for a little while there where, where I believe that the coaches now are coming around to figuring out how to play with these new rules. The 2000s are gone, 2010s are gone. Now they're going, hey, 2022 and beyond, or 2020 and beyond rather, these new rules, we've got to figure out how to play with what's in front of us now. Yeah, there's another factor I feel, and it's the World Cup. I um, feel like there was actually quite a bit of movement from players across from teams, obviously the Dolphins coming in and stuff as well. Um, you look at that Dolphins roster, they were pretty consistent through their preseason, but a lot of the teams actually had, they were impacted by World Cup a lot. Guys not coming back to training until January. You look at the spread across 
16, 17 teams, how many players are actually involved in that World Cup? I feel like straight away that there's a bit of inconsistency within those new teams. They're sort of finding their feet as well. So I feel like World Cup, Dolphins coming in, I feel like it's sort of, it's it spread, it spread it across as well a little yeah. bit. And also two of the heavyweights in recent years, Penrith and Melbourne, they've had the eyes picked out of them. Mm. So they are now very much closer to the pack. Some of that pack has risen. I think that's, that's don't underestimate the impact of, like you say, Melbourne and you know Penrith as well, having a lot of their quality taken away from them. So it's even Stevens now. Can that level of effort, the level of consistency, can that keep going all the way through to rounds 27? I can't see that happening. I feel like the way the competition started, some teams have come out of a cannon. There's been some real improvers, but I can't see it maintaining, you know, so many teams so even on the competition. I feel like the top eight, ten teams, twelve teams will kick, um, and I feel like some some teams will fall off a bit of a cliff. The concern over the Dolphins was always going to be their depth. I feel like they've come straight out of a cannon, but unfortunately for them, you look at a few key injuries and suspensions straight away. Sean O'Sullivan, 16 weeks, halfback. Kafusi's out for four weeks. I just feel like the Dolphins, it's going to be a tough slog for them for the full full 27 rounds. Who else do you think will um, drop off? Well, the Broncos are 4-0. I feel like especially with a lot of their guys involved through origin period, I feel like the second half of the season, they're going to... I, I don't expect them to fall off a cliff. I just don't see them being right up there in that top couple of teams. I have been involved in those teams before where you start the season like a house on fire, but then you get your first loss. And when you go on a streak... So the Broncos now are on a streak. When they get their first loss... I'm really intrigued to, to see how they react because they are quite a young group. They've been flying high. How are they going to respond to that first bit of adversity? Or when you start the season so well, mid part of the season with origin, mm. latter middle part, they're going to be high representation in the state of origin. How are they going to come out with that? That's the concern for me with the Broncos.